The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. Years ago, when I started attending retreat, making pilgrimage to the Abbey of Gethsemane, there was an elderly monk, Father Matthew. He was from Boston. He wore orange high-top sneakers under his robe. He'd lived as a hermit in Papua New Guinea. And after the last office of the day, he would gather with retreatants and he would read poetry and he would preach a homily. That was one of the draws for me, to hear Father Matthew. He has joined the church triumphant. I long to see him again one day and to hear his voice. And whenever I have opportunity that worship and Scripture and God lead to a homily, I like to do it like Father Matthew did. Mending wall by Robert Frost. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that sends the frozen ground swell under it, and spills the upper boulders in the sun, and makes gaps even two can pass abreast. The work of hunters is another thing. I have come after them and made repair, where they have not left one stone on a stone, but they would have the rabbit out of hiding to please the yelping dogs. The gaps, I mean, no one has seen them made or heard them made. But at springtime mending, we find them there. I let my neighbor know beyond the hill, and on a day we meet to walk the line to set the wall between us once again. We keep the wall between us as we go to each the boulders that have fallen to each. And some are loaves and some are so nearly balls, we have to use a spell to make them balance. Stay where you are until we turn our backs. We wear our fingers rough with handling them. Oh, just another kind of outdoor game, one on a side, it comes to little more. There where it is, we do not need the wall. He is all pine and I am apple orchard. My apple trees will never get across and eat the cones under his pines, I tell him. He only says, good fences make good neighbors. Spring is the mischief in me, and I wonder if I could put a notion in his head. Why do they make good neighbors? Isn't it where there are cows, but here there are no cows? Before I built a wall... I'd asked to know what I was walling in or walling out and to whom I was like to give offense. Something there is that doesn't love a wall that wants it down. I could say elves to him, but it's not elves exactly, and I'd rather he said it for himself. I see him there, bringing a stone grasped firmly by the top in each hand, like an old stone savage armed. 
He moves in darkness, as it seems to me, not of woods only and the shade of trees. He will not go beyond his father's saying, and he likes having thought of it so well. He says it again. Good fences make good neighbors. I discovered a new poet in my studies this week, Gerard Manley Hopkins, a British poet, a Jesuit priest. God's grandeur. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. It gathers to a greatness like the ooze of oil. Crushed, why do men then now not wreck his rod? Generations have trod, have trod, have trod, and all is seared with trade, bleared, smeared with toil, and wears man's smudge and shares man's smell. The soil is bare now, nor can foot feel being shod. And for all this, nature is never spent. There lives the dearest freshness deep down things, And though the last lights off the black west went, oh, morning at the brown brink eastward springs, because the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breast and with, ah, bright wings. The road not taken, again by frost. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, And sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there had worn really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, in leaves no step had trodden black, Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. And another by Gerard Manley Hopkins. As we seek to live into our rhythms of faithfulness. I thought this particularly apropos, the habit of perfection. Elected silence sing to me and beat upon my world ear. Pipe me to pastures still and be the music that I care to hear. Shape nothing lips, be lovely dumb, It is that shut the curfew sent from there where all surrenders come, which only makes you eloquent. Be shelled eyes with double dark and find the uncreated light. This rock and reel which you remark coils, keeps and teases simple sight. Palate the hutch of tasty lust. Desire not to be rinsed with wine. The can must be so sweet, the crust so fresh that comes in fasts divine. 
nostrils your careless breath that spend upon the stir and keep of pride. What relish shall the censers send along the sanctuary side? O feel of primrose hands, O feet, that want the yield of plushy sward, but you shall walk the golden street, and you unhouse and house the Lord. And poverty be thou the bride, and now the marriage feast begun, and lily-colored clothes provide, your spouse not labored at nor spun. The means of grace, the disciplines of spiritual practice, he wrote about. Sometimes asking the right questions is indeed more faithful and leads to greater faithfulness than knowing all the right answers. And this is precisely the opposite of how we have been trained educationally in our society today. We're supposed to know. As your pastor, I'm supposed to know the answers in interpreting Scripture and in organizing and leading ministry. But sometimes asking interesting questions is one of the ways that we can find our way together. This service of sacred songs for Sunday is thus our attempt to rightly wrestle with the right questions so that we may serve God well, so that we may love neighbor well, so that we may be faithful. And sometimes asking the right question, questions begins with writing of our perspective. And, and these stories, I needed help with perspective. The juxtaposition of, of, of the Scripture reading of the Gospel and the song, The Gentle Healer, when Jesus appears not to be quite so gentle, I, I need some right writing of my perspective. You see, the focus here is not on the healing. The accent in this story falls on the question about Gentiles. And Jesus' initial rebuff of the woman, there's no clear precedent in Jewish literature and sources, affirms Christ's priority is to the Jews. And the woman's response allows that priority to stand, but persistently asks for attention to the Gentiles as well. And in Jesus' Granting her request approves the woman's attitude and provides for the early church warrant for the mission to the Gentiles by grounding that mission in Christ's earthly mission. At the same time, Jesus acknowledges that the woman's word has overthrown his own. She uses the very same technique that Jesus uses on some of his opponents. This passage reminds pastors and teachers and people in positions of authority how to lose an argument. 
The second story, the, the accent falls on the eschatological presence of God, the end of time, as Isaiah was foretold it. We hear that in this passage clearly, that in Christ, God is completely present, and it is the beginning of the fulfillment of all history. And both stories affirm that there is no hiding the revelation of Jesus, though it can only be perceived by faith. A focus on mission in ministry is clearly the thrust of this text. The first story urges the validity of the mission to foreigners, the second to areas near at hand but disdained. Both point to the universal scope of God's gracious action in Christ, and that should push us as Christians to faithful participation in proclaiming the good news and compassionately serving those who are in need. So what, what are the questions? The questions for me came out of our text from Isaiah. Where is the wilderness? I, 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 don't, I don't mean north in the big thicket. I mean in our neighborhoods. Where are people living in wilderness? Where is the desert and the thirsty ground? Who among the people we know and meet are thirsting for the love of God? And how can we be better poured out to quench that very thirst? The second set come from the earlier part of that prophecy and are so aptly included in, in Wesley's great hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to see, to sing. Who cannot see Jesus? And how do we hide him from others? Who cannot hear Christ calling their name? And how do we remain mute in extending or not extending that invitation? Who cannot run to the loving arms of God? And how do we build fences that keep them from it? Who cannot cry out to Jesus, and how do we silence them? If Jesus' own followers miss the point, who will continue Christ's work in this day? Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.